Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his only Son. Amen. I don't think that it would come as any surprise to anyone here if I were to say that our world is a dark world. Now, there's certainly plenty of good within the world, and we recognize and appreciate those things as good gifts from God, but but we also know that in this world there is evil and there's sin and there, is the, the true, there are the true devastating effects of sin. A year ago, if you recall, it was on Epiphany, January 6th, that our nation's capital looked more like a war zone than a place of peaceful government. Rioters stormed the Capitol building, putting lawmakers' lives in jeopardy. Multiple people died as a result. And this is just but one small example of the chaos and the evil that lurks in this world when the darkness of our true human condition, the sin that resides within each of our own hearts, rears its ugly head. In our Old Testament reading that we heard this evening, the prophet Isaiah says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. And and Isaiah wasn't just talking about an occasional thing. The world has been covered with darkness ever since Adam and Eve chose to step out of the light of God's love and into the, the darkness of sin and death and the devil. It's been this way throughout all of of human history, including now in our day, also including in Jesus' day. In fact, in our gospel reading that we heard this evening, we see how dark the world was at Jesus' time because one of the darkest figures in human history was about to take center stage. Matthew writes this, he says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Although Herod is known in history as Herod the Great, and although from a worldly perspective he was single-handedly responsible for shaping the world into which Jesus was born, Herod was anything but great, at least not from a perspective of faith. Herod lived in Jerusalem, appointed king over all Judea by the Roman government in 40 B.C., He was ethnically an Arab by descent, but to appease his subjects, he paid lip service to the Jewish faith, but he was never known for being particularly faithful. Instead, he was paranoid and lethal. He had Roman soldiers at his command. He had secret police roaming the streets. He had personal bodyguards, some think up to 2,000 bodyguards around him at all times. He would kill some of his own sons and members of his own family, all in an effort to protect his throne. He tried to make his name great through impressive building projects, including the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, some of which still stands today. But he made his name infamous by his harsh and deadly reign. And we see the darkness of Herod's intentions when the Magi 
appeared. They came to Herod to worship the newborn king of the Jews, ignorant of of who or where he might be. They chose to go to Jerusalem, of course, supposing the king to be there, but this was the first that Herod had heard of it. And it didn't take long for Herod's troubled mind to come up with a plan to eliminate this new threat. Go and search diligently for the child, he said, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Of course, the Magi were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, and so they didn't, returning to their own country by another way. And Herod, when he realized he had been tricked by the Magi, became furious. And later, in Matthew chapter 2, it tells us he sent and had all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and younger killed. Meanwhile, Joseph and Mary, who were also warned by the Lord, they fled to Egypt to keep Jesus safe from the evil and dark intentions of an evil and dark king. The darkness of this world and and the darkness of sin, the darkness of our own human hearts has been evident for a very long time. So in a way, there is truly nothing new under the sun. And that's why, as unfortunate as it may be, we aren't really surprised by events that we see in this world. Terribly saddened, of course, and grieved, but unfortunately not surprised. And as Christians, we don't waste our time pointing fingers at the rest of the world, saying how dark all of them are, because we know that by our own sin, we have contributed to how things are in this world as well. The Bible says that according to our sinful nature, we are alienated and hostile to God, doing nothing but evil deeds, as Colossians says. Our old sinful selves are ungodly, Romans says. We are enemies of God. In our sin, we are hostile and rebellious toward our creator. And to see the darkness play out in our world today, it it doesn't cause us to adopt a holier-than-thou attitude, but instead drives each and every one of us back to our God in humility and repentance. Repentance for our own sin, and for our own complicity in such darkness. Even if my sin is not what the world sees on national news, thanks be to God, I know that it is still there in my heart, and it's known to me, and it's known to my God. When we recognize this truth about ourselves, what Scripture says about ourselves, then and only then are we ready to hear The good news that God has for us on this epiphany. The good news that epiphany brings. Now, epiphany means revelation. It is the revealing of the light of the Son of God to a a world that has been shrouded in darkness. I have so appreciated the songs from the Corollaires this evening, which has reminded us that, that God's plan was to reveal this light as we come and worship our King. Again, Isaiah said, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples, but 
the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The Lord did arise. We just celebrated it at Christmas. He chose to come as a child born in Bethlehem. And then who do we see coming to his light? Our our Bibles may call them wise men, but that's a bit of a, a misnomer. The actual word in Greek is magi, as in magician, sorcerer, dark arts practitioner, not even necessarily kings or, or three kings, as the famous Christmas carol puts it. Yes, these magi may have accumulated a lot of worldly wisdom, But if you were to ask any Jewish person from the first century to describe these particular visitors, you would not hear them use the word wise. These were Gentiles. They were pagans. And not only pagans, but the worst kind of pagans. They were magi. They represented all the darkness that a pagan world, a world that does not know God, had to offer. And yet... The miracle of Epiphany is that in the wisdom of God, this was exactly who he wanted to lead by the brightness of a star to bring to worship the true king of Israel. Not Herod, but the true king, the Savior, Jesus Christ, who was maybe a a couple months old at this time or maybe even a couple years old. The Magi didn't know what to expect. They didn't even know what the right town to go to was. But but what God had in store for them was even more than they could ever possibly have imagined in their wildest dreams. Jesus was the true light of the world revealed personally to them. And this miracle of Epiphany should bring us great joy and great comfort today. Because we realize that the darkness of sin that resides within our hearts and in our minds has been overcome by this light from God. That the light of Jesus Christ has been revealed not only to just part of the world, but to all the world. That his glory is for all people, including you and me. That the bright light of the forgiveness of sins won on the dark cross of Calvary, but then victoriously proclaimed from the empty tomb on Easter morning, that light has now been poured into our hearts. The good news of Epiphany is that our God is willing and able to work the brightest of moments, even in the darkest of times and in the darkest of people. We see him do it in the days of Herod the king. We see him do it for the Magi. We see him do it in the birth, life, and death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see him do it in our lives and in our world today. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, For God, who said, light come out of darkness, has shown now in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have been given this light, the good news that Jesus has died for us and has risen again to give us forgiveness and eternal life. But still... What does this mean for us today? Well, for starters, it means that we no longer are subject to the despair of darkness. 
the darkness of this world, the darkness of the devil, the darkness of our own sin. Colossians states, we give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Which means when we find ourselves racked with worry or fear or doubt or guilt, we are no longer captive to these things. We, we turn to God and we are reminded that these things have no power over us. We are in his son's kingdom now. We are children of light, not of the darkness. He has forgiven us our sins. He shines the bright light of salvation and eternal life for us. The second thing this means is that since we have been given such a precious gift as Jesus, we now walk in the light, not in darkness. And that means we allow this light that God has given us to shine through us to others in this world who may still be in darkness. Because we have this light from God, we live differently than the rest of the world around us. We love and serve our neighbors, not because we have to earn something from God, but because we are the ones who have been first loved and served by God himself. Through our words and our actions, others are able to come to know the love and light of Jesus Christ. And third, since we do still live in this world, until the day our Lord Jesus comes again, we live not according to the darkness of despair, but according to the light of the hope that has been given us. We as Christians know this life is not all that there is. If it were, we would have nothing to look forward to. But instead, we are looking forward to the day when Jesus will return and raise us from the dead and restore all creation for us to live with him forever. Our hope is in the new heavens and the new earth which he will restore on that day. And because of that, it allows us to endure our days right now. We certainly have to endure Many things, many difficulties, many hardships. We will witness many times over the darkness of this world and even the darkness of our own hearts because we are not yet perfect. But because Christ has come and because Christ is coming again, we do not lose hope. As Christians, we cannot wait to see the glory of the Lord that Isaiah once foretold. The glory that Mary and Joseph and the shepherds saw in that manger, the glory that the Magi fell down and worshipped, we too will see the glory of the Lord on that day when he comes again, when we see Jesus face to face, where there will be no more darkness, only unimaginable light. And we will live in that light forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.